Father, Son, Holy Spirit, please fall afresh on us. Speak to me, speak to us. May your word fall on fresh soil this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One day, you find yourselves driving outside the city, contemplating your your friend's beautiful ranch that he owns just outside of the city limits. It's amazing. It's spectacular, quite frankly. As you gaze into the vast horizon, you see what is a 100-acre farm. And all 100 acres are good soil and have the potential to yield a harvest if he farms it well. But over time, with the rise of high prices and inflation costs, he loses his laborers and his capacity to maintain the farm. And he begins to shrink down year after year the amount of ground that he's plowing and sowing seed into it. So eventually, year after year, the ground he's farming gets smaller and smaller until it comes to the point that there's only, he's only tilling up and sowing seed in 10 acres of ground. He has 90 acres worth of farm with the possibility of harvest, but he is no longer getting a harvest because he's not tending to it. Like the farming ground in our story, we find that the same is true for many of us today. We too have areas in our lives that we've let go or stopped tending to, and over time have atrophied our walk and our relationship with God. If we're honest with ourselves, our personal time with Jesus is often filled with distractions and overly exhausting schedules that seem to never end, but prolong the ongoing cycle of busyness and hurry that over time have slowly made our relationship with God superficial, dry, and stale. Perhaps we're, we've been aware of these neglected areas for some time now, but for whatever reason, we've decided to ignore them in the hopes that they would just go away or somehow fix themselves out. So this morning, I ask, what are the areas in your life that you've neglected? What are the areas in your life that have the capacity for growth or spiritual harvests that you've let go? Today, we continue in our series entitled Revival and Awakening, a short series about how we can have a heart for Jesus, His church, and His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Please open your Bibles with me to Hosea chapter 10, the book of Hosea chapter 10. In our story today, we find that Hosea's ministry is directly primarily to the northern kingdom of Israel during a period of deep political turmoil and unrest. But even more important than the political problems that Israel faced was the religious condition of the people spirituality and morality, the nation was bankrupt. 
The prophet Hosea repeatedly mentioned the idolatrous calf worship set up in the northern kingdom by King Jeroboam. And you can read this story in 1 Kings chapter 12. The people had strayed away from God, engaging in idolatry and unfaithfulness. They had erected high places and altars and pillars to false gods, forsaking the true God who had delivered them from Egypt. It was a time of deep spiritual decline. Apparently, this idolatry continued as well as more cruel and inhumane worship later offered by the Canaanite gods, Baal and Astoreth. Their worship involved child sacrifice and gross sensuality, to which the prophet Hosea was deeply appalled by all this and and reacted mightily against it. During this time, no commandment of God seemed to be kept Injustice and oppression were common. What's even more alarming was the fact that at all levels of society, including rulers and priests, were involved. The situation was so pervasive and desperate, all to say the divine covenant with Israel was broken by the people. Against this terrible background, the prophet Hosea made his appeal. When you read the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea is divided mainly in two sections. Section 1 from chapter 1 to chapter 3, which deals with Gomer and his wife. But chapters 4 all the way to chapter 10, which our scripture from this morning falls into that section. God lays out covenant lawsuits against Israel and several indictments for their spiritual prostitution and idolatry and their political and cultic unfaithfulness. Right within the heart of this section is that we find that God continues to lament over Israel's failure. Did you hear that? God continues to to lament over Israel's failure. To return back to Him, God is always inviting us back to Him and the upcoming faith that awaits them. And as to reinforce and to further elaborate on the theme of Israel's spiritual unfaithfulness, the whole section preceding our chapter for this morning is structured around the historical and geographical allusions that shows Israel's covenant unfaithfulness that has a long history. For this they have done for a while. It stretches all the way back to the time of Exodus in the period of the judges and involved some of the most of Israel's more revered and sacred geographical locations. As we home back into our text from 1 Kings chapter 12, we see there in the story of Jeroboam that there was two altars that were erected to false gods in, in, in this sacred area called Bethel, which literally means the house of God. 
and also in the northern kingdom, the furthermost kingdom in the, in, the, in the place of Dan. And so however, the, the section where we find our text this morning is another agricultural metaphor. Those that like to garden will appreciate, will appreciate this section where we read God's encouragement and instruction for his people amid wickedness and instruction. So let's take this morning, this is the background, this is the context. Let's take a deeper look this morning at the closing verses of Hosea in chapter 10 to help us contemplate the prophet's picture of sin and judgment. But in the middle of this unrelenting indictment, we find that in the interlude, almost surprises us. Because this is the text that we read this morning. Hosea chapter 10, verses, starting from verse 12, is an eloquent and refreshing invitation to national and personal holiness. Let's read verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and reigns righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your own men." Notice how the prophet uses familiar language to deliver his message to the agrarian society of ancient Israel. The the mention of sowing, of reaping, and breaking up unfollowed ground draws attention to the spiritual condition of the people in ancient times, but also conveys spiritual lessons that we can learn as modern Christians living in the 21st century. So today, we'll explore three key words. Break, sow, and seek. Break, sow, and seek. First word, Break. Like any good farmer, before we sow anything, the first thing that needs to happen is to break up the follow ground. Hosea begins by declaring these eloquent words, break up your unflowed ground. In other versions it says, break your follow ground. The biblical expression here, to break up your follow ground, is another way of saying Do not sow your seed among the thorns. In other words, it's no use uh, sowing seed on ground that is hard. The soil had to be broken and plowed up so that it could receive the seed. And for the modern Christian of today, breaking follow ground involves allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and preparing our soil of our hearts to receive the seeds of righteousness that God desires to plant in us. It's allowing God to break deep inside of us the sin and idols of our culture that separate us from God. 
Most importantly, I believe it's recognizing the benefit of self-examination and surrender to God in a continued process of growth and transformation. Breaking follow ground means breaking all those things that stand in the way of communion with God. In our daily routine, the habits that consume your time and, 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 and consume our time, clearing the weeds of the heart so that we can have a heart that is ready for the divine gardener to sow the seeds of righteousness. No judgment here. But for example, if we were to do an audit on how much time you spend watching Hulu or Netflix or your favorite news channel or whatever you watch on average, what would it be a week? Typically, it's between 7 to 12 hours. Rarely will someone say, you know, I'm watching a show right now, but I only watched one episode of it. And I'm not saying this in a bad way or in a legalistic way or anything like that. But I just want us to recognize and acknowledge the cultural moment in which we live. Netflix has invented a way in which they cut off the ending of the previous episode and automatically start the next episode and skip the rolling. It's like they want you there. If you do the math, that's between 8 to 12 hours a week. It's a full day of work. Imagine the things that we could do for God with those hours. To use that time to seek God. Author John Tyson came across this interesting piece of research that said, if you take 18 minutes a day, every day over the course of a year, approximately 100 hours, you will be in the top, in the top 5% of people on earth who, who, do whatever, who give 20 minutes a day to whatever they do. Now you think about that. Let that sink in. It's really true. Who do you know that gives 100 hours to grow in something? We, are, we want quick results. We want, things, we want the turnover to be quickly and rapid. We don't really do that in, in, in mostly in, in our areas of life when it comes whether to our careers or relationships or physical or mental or spiritual health. Imagine the power that comes with that. Imagine what would happen to our spiritual life if we were to spend intentional time growing in something. Every single day, spending a minimum of 18 to 20 minutes every morning, a day. That's 100 hours a year, growing each and every day in our time with God. If we are honest, most of us give as little time as possible to the things that matter the most in life. We expect things to happen on their own without putting the time or the effort. I I don't know where you are in your journey of faith. But one thing I know is that I want to live my life with intentionality. I want to live my life in such a way that everything that I do honors God. 
I want to be more like Jesus. When you examine your heart, what do you see? What areas in your life are are remaining unplowed? Are resistant to God's transforming work? Today is the day, friends. Today is the day to let the Holy Spirit break up the fallow ground and cultivated heart that is ready to receive the seeds of righteousness and bear the fruit of God's kingdom. Number one, break. Number two, sow. In verse 12, we see that Hosea's strong command is to sow righteousness. And if you see in verse 13, that's in contrast to plowing wickedness. Here the prophet uses the metaphor of sowing an agricultural practice familiar to an ancient audience. The idea here is that once the soil is turned over, you got to sow seed into it. And that's what happens next. Once the soil is broken up, what comes next is that the seed is put on the ground. Translate, sowing righteousness means making intentional daily choices aligned with God's will that reflect our trust into His transforming power. It's an everyday commitment. It's a lifestyle where our choices align with God's Word. I really like what Bernard said this morning in our Sabbath school. It's living righteously seven days a week. Every day. Not only on the Sabbath. Our interactions, our relationships, our routines, collectively and progressively over time, shape our character to that of Jesus. And the reality is that you never sow and reap in real time. There's always a process that takes place in the cultivation of the seed, for without it, there is no harvest. So if you want to reap a good harvest, you have to put in a seed for the future. Where there is hate, you must sow love. Where there is apathy, you must sow compassion. Where there is exhaustion, you must sow rest. Where there is wickedness, you must sow righteousness. The call for the modern Christian of today is just like that of ancient times. To sow for yourself seeds of righteousness, which only come, which only comes when we seek the Lord. Number one, break. Number two, sow. And finally, seek. The prophet says in verse 12, reap the fruit of unfailing love. In other versions, it says, reap in mercy. The connection between sowing and reaping is evident. You cannot reap what you don't sow. Just as a farmer reaps what is sown in the field, our actions and our choices have consequences that lead to specific outcomes in our lives. The Apostle Paul talks about this very thing in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Did you hear that? Let us not lose heart doing good. Because in doing good, you will reap everlasting life. I know that life is hard. I know that there are challenges that we are constantly met. Brothers and sisters, this morning, let's not lose heart. Continue to do good. Continue to sow seeds of righteousness to those that we come in close proximity to. For the Lord has promised to us, to His children, a life that is everlasting. We soon will meet Him. We soon will see Him. And so I just want to pause here for a moment and speak to your hearts whether you've made terrible choices in your past, you feel the guilt, the shame of it all, still experiencing the consequences of sin in your life, I want to tell you that the good news of the gospel reminds us that even though you're going through all of that, maybe experiencing one of the lowest moments in your life, God's love for you never fails. When we look at the book of Hosea, we see a powerful narrative of God's persisting love in the face of human waverness. We see a depthness of God's commitment to His people, the need for guidance, repentance, and the hope of restoration through God's divine grace. And so this morning, my prayer for you today is that you allow for God to break the fallow ground in your heart, to sow righteousness, reap unfailing love towards you, and seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Amen. At the Atacama Desert, located in the Pacific uh, South Coast in South America, in the north of Chile, it is famous for being one of the most driest places on earth. From the surface, it looks impossible. It looks like nothing can grow there. You can Google this later in your phones. Atacama Desert. It's barren, it's desolate, and lifeless. But underneath the desert, there are hundreds of species of wildflowers. But the problem is that it never rains enough in a given time to germinate the seeds because it's so hot. But every now and then, every few years, they get a hundred, they get, excuse me, 10 years worth of rain in 10 hours. And the heavy rain strips the protective coat from dormant seeds and it soaks down enough into the soil where something happens that they call a super bloom a rare phenomenon, a rare super bloom, 
paints one of the world's most barren places with red, magenta, and marigold wildflowers. This rare phenomenon brims with blooms that sprout every three to ten years, transforming this place into colorful fields of flowers. A gorgeous spectacle to contemplate and admire. Perhaps this morning you feel like a desert, barren, desolate, lifeless, where there's nothing blooming. The soil of your heart is unyielding and hard. The lack of rain over the years, bad experiences and suffering have created fallow ground in your relationship with God is not where you like it to be. Or maybe your heart is open, but not committed to what God wants you to do. And the things you do do come out of convenience rather than commitment. The path of least resistance or what comes easy to you. Wherever you find yourself in your journey of faith today, the invitation is the same as has always been to break up the soil, to declutter, to clean your heart of all those weeds that are tangling around your heart so the divine gardener can come in and sow the seeds of righteousness in a heart that is open and receptive and available to God. However, this requires intentional choices on our part. Because if we think they'll come naturally or accidentally to us, it just won't happen. Life is filled with countless distractions, interruptions, busy schedules, and overloaded appointments that rob us and take away our personal time with Jesus. Therefore, the call this morning is a simple one to break the fall ground of our hearts through repentance and to sow righteousness, to reap the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that we may witness a transformation of the heart that reflects the beauty of God's character in our lives. I think Ellen White said it best when she said, Christ is waiting with longing desire, the manifestation of himself in his church. When our character, when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in the people, then he will come to claim them as his own. I don't know about you. I want Jesus to come. How is the soil of your heart this morning? Is it fertile ground where Jesus can come in and sow seeds of righteousness? May the soil of your heart be fertile ground, broken up, cultivated to a life that is constantly seeking God. May your heart 
become a garden of righteousness. A garden tended by the hands of the divine gardener that brims with blooms that sprouts God's character and reaps others' mercy, justice, and peace. Our Heavenly Father, we are here before you. May our hearts be fertile ground where you can dwell and live and reside there permanently. Lord, if there is something that's weighing heavy in us this morning, we ask, Lord, that you will help us as we are going through that. May your unfailing love cover us and give us assurance, comfort, peace, knowing that you're there along the way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.